Episode 182 of the PJ Archive comprises interviews I did with Andrew Lloyd Webber and Michael Ball at the media launch of the stage musical Aspects of Love in London's West End in 1988. The brilliant English composer and musical theatre impresario Andrew Lloyd Webber was by then already enormously successful around the world through shows such as Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, Cats, Starlight Express and The Phantom of the Opera. Andrew Lloyd Webber, you've got your new musical opening in April. Tell us a bit about it. It's called Aspects of Love, um, based on a novel which was published in the 50s by a man called David Garnett, who was sort of one of the, I suppose you could call, peripheral members of the Bloomsbury set. But the book is not about the Bloomsbury set. It's a, it, it's a, a novel about love and it, how one relationship affects a whole set of people for 15 years, a relationship that was an idyllic love affair between a, a boy of 17 and an actress who was seven years older than him. And uh, it's all the consequences of that one idyllic relationship and one, one sort of brief affair that, uh, that goes on over many, many years. It's a, it's a marvellous, marvellous, um, very small scale, but uh, very intricate piece. What makes you think it would make a good musical? Well, I thought it would make a good musical for about 11 years, and um, I have launched off on it, I think, on four separate occasions and never really got anywhere until I'd finished Phantom. Um, I, I just think people uh, are ready to have a much more small-scale piece than perhaps some of the things that I've been associated with, um, although I did write a one-woman show with Tell Me on a Sunday, which normally gets forgotten, that, and that was about love too. But... Um, and I think it's, it, it, it's very intriguing. It's, it raises a lot of really interesting points about love and how we perceive other, other people's relationships. And I think it's time now for something which is perhaps of a smaller scale. What sort of music can we expect from you this time? Will it be anything like anything you've produced before? Well, inevitably, there's going to be bound to be something of my style in it, or if not, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, it it's going to be smaller scale in its orchestrations than uh, most of mine. Um, in fact, I, I'm not really using an orchestra. I, I'm calling it a sort of ensemble because it, it really only is that. It's 14 people, and we won't be using an awful lot of amplification. I, I guess, though, it's... It's going further down the operatic route than I've dared to go so far. It, it, it has a quality about it that is quite filmic. Is the uh, staging of it quite complicated or not? No, it won't be. It won't be technically complicated, but it's going to be have to be incredibly ingenious because I just mentioned that word filmic, and I've written it as if it is a film, as if it can, ha and so that we have to have the ability to cut from one location to another location as if we were in film terms. But um, we have the wondrous Maria Bjornsson who designed Phantom designing it and uh, Trevor Nunn who I've worked with of course a couple of times before and I think we're all very aware that what we do not want to do is to impose anything huge onto what is in fact a, a small scale piece it's really only about five people. Now you've chosen just one member of your cast so far why is that? Um, well, why do we cast him? Is because he's good. Why have we not announced the others? Because we still haven't finished the casting. We've got, uh, as I say, it is about five people, and therefore the relationships between all of them are very, very crucial. And we have to be 100% certain that the people we have are who we believe to be the best we can. And very, very sadly, the person who would have been the greatest ever, George Dillingham, the old man in the piece, 
um, is not with us anymore, Viz David Niven. Um, I mean, to find somebody who has that kind of David Niven-like quality is very, very hard. I mean, we, we, we're close, but we just want to have one more little um, scouring of the kind of various, you know, backwaters. So what's the schedule at the moment, then? What happens from now on? Well, we will, and we, we will have to have finished the casting by the middle of January because we go into rehearsals at the end of January, and then we open uh, on April the 12th. Uh, we haven't yet announced the preview dates. We'll, we'll sort of do that when we know we've got the cast. Now, the box office is already doing exceedingly well. Does that sort of worry you in any way, that you can't necessarily produce the goods at the end of the no, day? No, the only, the only thing that uh, would worry me would be if the show wasn't any good. Um, I, I, you know, I, I hope it will be. I mean, we all, we've already tried it out once uh, privately, at a, and, and it went quite well there. Um, so we're you know very very optimistic about it but you know you always have to take the um, you know the, take the plunge do you fear the critics at all i have to be honest with you i don't really think they mean quite as much as they may believe they do i, I think though in england i think we have a we have such a wide press and we have such a very enthusiastic press for musicals which is um, wonderful now because we I mean we there are two or three of the key cr- critics who really care about them and really do care about the future and even if they don't like this one you know they there are at least people who really do have, I think, the kind of uh, interest of musical theatre at, at heart. I mean, uh, they're, they're, I mean it's, it's splendid that they do. Do you have the same plans for this musical as you have had for your others on a sort of worldwide scale almost? Well, it's, it's going to be, if it's successful, an easier one to duplicate in terms of its scenery and everything because it doesn't have the same complexity as something like The Phantom of the Opera, which is a nightmare to have to try and uh, to do because it's so big and labour-intensive well, it's not big in the sense that it, it, it's that, that sort of large, because it isn't actually, but it's, uh, it's, it's quite complicated. Uh, but th- this won't have that problem. What it, what it may have is the difficulty of casting, because you've got to get that casting absolutely right. And I have really gone down the operatic route, and um, have, 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 therefore it, it demands considerable singing requirements, and it also demands very considerable acting requirements. Of all the musicals you've done so far, do you have a favourite amongst them? Not really, no. I, I, I like different ones for different values. I think when The Phantom is working um, on Overdrive, which it can do on some performances, I think it's a fairly tough act to follow. But it's of a very particular kind. I mean, if The Phantom is, is, is a sort of you know, great romantic statement, I mean, with sort of capital letters, and uh, it, it therefore has to be played with enormous conviction, because if you took it apart, um, it's one of those shows that... Uh, it's, a, it, it's a bit like one of those sort of large grand operas, which are, it, it doesn't bear too close, close scrutiny plot-wise, really. But when it all works, it works. I, I remember when I was going to write with Phantom with Alan J. Lerner, who, of course, died, and he was going to be the lyricist for it. And um, I, when I gave him the plot and I played him the score for the first time, I said, do you think we're going to get away with it? Because of, um, And he said, listen, dear boy, he said, it works. Don't ask questions. <laughs> it's always very sad he never wrote it. How often do you go and see your own musicals? Do you actually enjoy watching them? Well, I have to go and see them, obviously, from a technical point of view, but to, to try and see that the standards are kept going. I mean, I should be seeing Phantom tomorrow night in Vienna because we open in Vienna tomorrow. Um, I've seen Phantom in London last week because, again, we have to keep... We've got more casting to come up now. Funnily enough, it, it isn't the Phantom that's so difficult to cast. It's, it's the girl. It, it, it always is because it, it's, a, it's a big thing. And uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a much larger role lengthwise than the Phantoms, and it's there that we have you know, the difficulty, particularly in the states we've been having it. At what stage do you start working on your next musical? Um, 
Now? <laughs> I'm already thinking. Are you? What sort of ideas have you got in your head? Uh, I don't know. I might, I, I might, I possibly would like to explore, but I, I do do a lot of exploring and then abandoning. Uh, I'm quite interested in writing a musical that involves a child as the central character. Like, what sort of thing are we talking about? I, I don't know yet. I, I have an idea that I'd like to perhaps uh, write something about a child in, in uh, Europe in the war. Is there any chance you might work with Tim Rice again? I don't think so, no. And why not? Because uh, Tim, I think, has publicly declared that he's not interested in musicals. I think he gave out an announcement, didn't he, that he wouldn't be writing any musicals ever again, um, either with me or without me. And I really don't think that, um, that it's feasible because I don't think he's that keen on them. I mean, I think we may well write together something that is not musical, not, not destined for the theatre. I don't think that's an impossibility because, uh, in fact, we have talked about that. But I don't think... Tim is not really writing very much at the moment, and it's, it's rather sad. Do you see much of him? You're on good terms. Yes, we you know, see each other from time to time. I mean, we're not... We, we just don't, I don't think likely to do anything professionally together. But do you bit. personally have many ambitions... Still, personally, I just enjoy going on writing. I mean, writing is what I like to do. What is your wife Sarah up to at the moment? Mm. She's just finished an album um, of songs, which is a really extraordinary thing. Um, it was start, uh, produced by an American called Tom Shepard, and uh, I've finished off a few things for her here with it. And um, they're all songs of uh, shows that ran a week, and uh, they're called the songs. That, it's called the songs that got away. And it's a kind of reverse Barbara Streisand Broadway album because every one of them are flops. And I fancy you listen to it, and uh, uh, we listen to it over the weekend, and you think, this, what you're hearing, is the score of the greatest musical that ever, ever happened. And you cannot understand how it could be that these songs from these shows that either closed on the road or whatever could, could have ever uh, got away. But it's, it's a clever idea. It was an, this, um, Tom Shepard is a very well-known American um, theatre producer of, of, of albums and things. I uh, used to do all the Stephen Sondheim um, shows, and he, uh, uh, you know, had had this idea, and I think it's I mean, he basically has made the selection of songs. Did you consider her for aspects of love? No, it's really not for Sarah at all. And anyway, she's now making an album with Peter Asher, you know, Peter Asher who produces Linda Ronstadt and James Taylor, and so um, she's rather kind of flown from my artistic nest. Are you going to write a musical for her? Do you think? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't ever write anything for, for anybody specifically. I mean, although people think that I wrote The Phantom for Sarah, whatever I say, I mean, that to the contrary, I, I didn't. I mean, in fact, I, I mean, she was ideal for it, and uh, that was coincidental, although clearly, I mean, she sort of influenced me somewhat when we were in the midst of writing it, because I tried out various things on her. But, no, I would never actually sit down and say, I want to write a vehicle for Sarah, because any more than I would do for any star, because it's my experience that uh, writing star vehicles is a hiding to nothing. Just tell us uh, very briefly about this first single you've got out, Love Changes Everything. It's um, three minutes, 18 seconds long. <laughs> it's um, um, sure far set, absolute smasherini. There's just been a hit in the charts called Love Changes No, there hasn't, no. No? No. Climby Fisher? No, it was called Love or something. This is Peter Jonathan Robertson. So that's how that interview ended, leaving me a little flustered as I was convinced Climby Fisher's 1987 hit was indeed called Love Changes Everything. But Andrew Lloyd Webber reckoned otherwise, and I didn't think it wise to argue with the great man. As soon as I got home, I looked it up and was relieved to see I was right. Anyway, next I interviewed the wonderful actor and singer Michael Ball.
who had been picked to play the young male lead role of Alex Dillingham in this original production of Aspects of Love in London, which he would later go on to do on Broadway as well. Michael's rendition of the show's big song, Love Changes Everything, would give him his first hit single and set him on the road to stardom. But at the time of this interview in 1988, he was a relative unknown outside of musical theatre. Michael, you've got the lead role in Aspects of Love. How does that feel? Imagine. I mean, it's wonderful. Wonderful. It's uh, something I suppose you always dream of. Andrew Lloyd Webber's doing a new musical. I mean, you want to to be in there at the beginning and, and, and to have the lead role and everything, it's it's a dream, as they say. Tell us how you got the part. Well, I was I was actually in Phantom of the Opera at the time and Andrew had written it and he has an arts festival every year and he normally previews all his shows there to an invited audience and he asked me to come along and, and sing for him to sing part of the role in an audition with, with, with Trevor Nunn, who's directing it and so on. So I, I did that and uh, they offered it to me down at, at uh, Sidmonton um, which is his, his house where the arts festival is. He seemed to like what, what I did in that and has now confirmed that I'm going to be doing it when, when he opens it legitimately in the West End. So what sort of a part is it you're playing? It's the part of a young man. It, the, the character starts off at 17, is the character of Alex. Um, the, the, the action takes place over a period of about 20 years. He falls in love with a, a, an actress who's older than him. They have a, a wonderful affair. She disappears and goes off with his uncle, if you believe it. And uh, it, it, it's, I mean, it's an impossible plot to describe. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the, the scope of it is enormous. Um, you have to see it to actually know what it's about. I mean, I, my, my, my views in it, my opinions of the character change all the time. I've read the book three or four times. And my opinions constantly change. And I think that, that, that um, audiences coming to see it, will, all of them will have different opinions about, about the characters and about... How do you prepare for a role like this? I think the, the most essential thing... The, the singing is important, but I think you have to get the truth of, of the character. You actually have to act it first. You have to think of who the character is, what their motivation is, how they relate to other people and so on. You have to get inside the skull of the, the person that, you, that you're portraying. That's the only way. You then have to do the, the, the external things, like you have to get the look right, you have to get the the tunes in, you have to sing, sing in, in the right key and all that sort of thing. But, but I think basically you have to start with looking at the book, looking at the source of the material, getting the, 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 the truth of the character first, and, and the other things sort of follow on after that. What do you know of the music so far? I know all of it. Having done the, the arts festival and, and, and singing it there, we only sang it with two pianos, so the orchestrations are still new. I've, I've, I've just done the new... The, the single that we're releasing from it, Love Changes Everything. And the orchestrations for that were beautiful. Really, really lovely. And the, the music is, I think, the finest he's written. Is it a sort of commercial sound, would you say? I've, everything he writes is. I mean, not purely because he wants to write commercial music, it's because he just happens to write in a way that, that, that people love and people respond to. And So, yes, it is a commercial sound because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Now, all modesty aside, what sort of qualities do you think you have? <laughs> I've, I've no idea. I, I, I guess I'm lucky. I'm, I'm the old cliche: the, the right place at the right time with with the right thing. There, there, there aren't that many sort of young leading musical actors at the moment, and and luckily I seem to be able to do that kind of thing. I hope that doesn't sound awfully big-headed, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, I'm 
um, at the right place in the right time with, with what they wanted. What sort of a background have you had? What sort of a training? I went to drama school for three years and then went into a rep company for three months and then was offered the lead in, in Pirates of Penzance with Paul Nicholas and Bonnie Langford in Manchester. So it was like a, a big break straight away and then into, into Les Mis straight after that and then into Phantom. So it's a, a sort of a steady progression of things leading up to, to this, which is the biggie. And yet you're still only 26. 26, yeah. I mean, does this leave you any room for ambitions now? Oh, please. Plenty. Yeah, plenty. I mean, every new role is a challenge. There are different fields. There's the recording field, films, television. So I don't, I don't see myself primarily as a, as a, as a singer or a musical theatre person. I, I like to believe that I'm, I'm actually rooted in acting. But, but I'm able to sing, which is, um, which is helpful. <laughs> now, although you know, we've seen you in a major roles in Les Mis, yeah. and we've seen you in Phantom, you're still not really a name yet. Most people would probably say Michael Who. Does that upset Absolutely. you? No, no, it's as it, as it should be. It's, uh, I've, I've done nothing yet that... Um, well, I haven't seen nothing that warrants it, but it, it's, it's the way the business works. And, and, and the thing is, to, to be a name, I suppose you have to be... Doing television, you have to be in people's homes every night doing television, and and through this, I suppose doing you know interviews like this and and, and public appearances on television and that sort of thing, you, you gradually get a name. But but certainly the theatre, unlike fifty years ago when the big names came from the theatre, now they come from from television. Have you done any television? Yes, <laughs> I did Coronation Street for, for two episodes which was brilliant. It was so much fun. I had a great... It was while I was doing Pirates in Manchester, and I met them all there, and I said, I, my ambition is to be in the Rover's return for an episode, and they, they sussed it out for me. It was wonderful. What did you do in Coronation Street? I played Malcolm Nuttall, who was, who was the boyfriend of... Is it Kevin Webster? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Kevin Webster's girlfriend, and she had to get rid of me. You said it was your ambition to be in Coronation Street. Was it not any ambition to be in a great musical like this, then? My two ambitions when I left drama school... This is going to sound cocky. My two ambitions when I was in drama school were to be in Coronation Street because it was the biggest soap on telly, the biggest programme on telly, and to join the RSC. And it all sort of happened in two ways. I got into Coronation Street as a favour. I mean, it, only as a, I wouldn't want to be a regular in it, I don't think, but... You know, just to say that I'd done it, and then I got the part in um, Les Misérables, which was done by the RSC. So it was, it was, it was great, all in the space of two weeks. So, did you ever actually think that you might be as lucky as this? You always hope, I guess, but I, I never actually, I never put much thought to it. I, I don't suppose you just you you take the, the the jobs as they come, and they they happen to have been the right sort of jobs that have led up to this. So. I'd, I'd hoped, I guess, but I didn't know that I would be. You've obviously had quite a lot of experience now working with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Now, he's reputed to be quite a difficult man to work with. Not, a, not at all. No, he's not. He's, what he is, is he's a perfectionist. Um, he cares very, very deeply about his music. And, I mean, it's like, it's like a child to him, I mean, it, certainly working with this, um, with Aspects. <laughs> being, a, being a new thing, he cares very passionately about it and wants it to be right. And I'm exactly the same way. I, I care very much about my work, and I want it to be as, as good as it possibly can be. And I've, I've never found it difficult at all. No. Now, being on stage in a musical, everyone sort of, lots of young people dream about that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, what's it actually like when the orchestra strikes up? Oh, it's the best feeling. It really is. I mean, it's, it's not like doing a, a straight play, because 
music is is probably the best way to to get to people straight to their hearts to to get an emotion getting a feeling going and as soon as that orchestra starts up for the first time and you've got other people you know singing away with it it's it's I mean, phenomenal experience is wonderful. But you're still doing it night after night. Does it ever get tedious? No, it, it's. Um, I mean, it, every show is different. You have different audiences. It changes every night. So I don't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's a new experience all the time. It's great. Do you get nervous before yes. you go out on stage? Terrified. What do you do to counteract that? Have you heard of shiatsu massage? I've got the, 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 apparently these pressure points in your body, which you press, which are meant to unleash little doodles and your thing that make you all calm sounded <laughs> good didn't it very technical description there there's nothing you can do you just got to get on and, and start and do it but I, I get I mean sometimes I'm physically sick I, I suffer very badly from this yeah will that be the same on the first night oh now? it'll be the worst it'll be the worst what do you think yeah. it'll be like I um, I won't be able to speak very well to it I'll be running around like a mad thing I shall feel sick and I shall feel ill. I always feel like I'm about to sort of faint all the time. It's, it's a horrid feeling. It's the worst. I don't know why I do it, actually. What are you scared of? What am I scared of? I guess you're scared of not doing it well, of getting it wrong, of buggering up somehow. You know, I don't know. The very fact that you're going out and you're very exposed on the stage. You're very vulnerable. And there are a lot of people out there with a lot of expectations. They paid a lot of money and they want to... To see something. Does that worry you? I mean, the box office upstairs is yeah. absolutely chock yeah. block with money already to yeah. see you. They reckon they reckon it's going to be three and a half million by the time we open. I'm in hell. <laughs> do you think about that? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, and that's before we've even started the production. So we have got to do something to to justify that. We've got to to pull something out of the bag. I mean, you look at what we're following: Phantom, Vita, all these huge shows we've got to bring up something very special and I think we will what about the dreaded critics <laughs> yeah I don't think they, they have quite the power they do in America thank god I suppose we, we'd be almost if we have that much money in, the, in advance we'd be almost critic proof but you do even you want everyone to like your work you want everyone to go away saying that was great so yes you, you, you do want them to like it you know, they, they go, they're part and parcel of the business. Now, what would you like to see happen to your career now after this has happened? Well, how long are you going to stay in it for a start? Well, I'll, I'll be signed up for a year, but, I mean, after that, who knows? I'd love to go to Broadway. I, there, there's masses of things. I, as I said before, television, films, all kinds of things. The world seems to have opened up for you now, thanks to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Bless him, it? yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can just about do anything you like. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I've, there's one thing, getting a role, you then have to, to do it sufficiently well to warrant sort of interest in, in, in other fields and to do other things. So, I mean, you, you have to prove yourself constantly along the way. You're obviously on a high at the moment, though. Has there ever been a really big low in your career? Apart from Coronation Street. Apart from, that wasn't a low. That was <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, when, when, I, did, when I was in, in Les Mis, I, I got glandular fever and I had to come out of it early because I was, I was not well. And that was, that was horrible. I spent sort of six months doing nothing, feeling, lying in bed, feeling very sorry for myself, and I thought, this is it. But you were working. A lot of actors don't ever get the chance to work, and yet you're getting consistently huge roles. Yeah. I mean, I, that's been very fortunate. I've, I've never actually been out of work um, and, and struggling and looking for something. Something has come along just as 
another project has come to an end. So that's one side I've yet to... It'll happen, I can assure you. It happens to all of us, but uh, at the moment, it hasn't. Let's hope not. Thanks very much indeed. Cheers. A new production of Aspects of Love, also starring Michael Ball, but this time in the older role of George Dillingham, will run at the Lyric Theatre in London's West End in 2023, from May the 12th until November the 11th.